We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Hello and welcome to the 2022 Sox Machine Season Previews. I'm Josh Nelson and we bring you another episode previewing the Chicago White Sox upcoming season. Our previous episode was all about the Chicago White Sox infielders, a very strong group. This episode is featuring another strong group for the Chicago White Sox, and that's their starting pitching staff. There is an outside chance that a new face will join the White Sox rotation before opening day. But for this episode, we are focusing on the five projected starters for the White Sox going into 2022. Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, Dylan Cease, Dallas Keuchel, and Michael Kopech. Helping me preview... The 2022 Chicago White Sox starting pitching staff is a first-time guest. She covers Major League Baseball for NBC Sports Edge from a fantasy baseball perspective. She wrote the annual essay for the Chicago White Sox of the Baseball Prospectus Annual. She's also the host of the Chicago Sky Podcast and is a White Sox contributor to CHGO. Also has a White Sox podcast called the Northside Sox Podcast. She's queen of the Andals and first protector of the seven kingdoms. It is Janice Scurio. Hello, Janice. Welcome to the Sox Machine podcast. Thank you for joining us. Hello, Josh. Yeah, thank you for reading my very extensive resume. And and, and, and that's just <laughs> what I'm doing like this week. That, that That's just like not even the, my, my full extent of my workload. I, I've been working quite a bit lately, but you know what? It's all a labor of love. Yes, and you do terrific work. And I know... You love to analyze starting pitchers, so I thought this was a good fit to bring you on and leverage your expertise going into this 2022 season for the White Sox starting pitchers. And to start the conversation, let's talk about the state of the White Sox pitching staff coming into this season. How do you feel about the overall starting pitching group? Overall, I think they're in an okay place. I say okay, uh, just mainly because 
the back end of the rotation is always a question mark. It has been for the past couple of years, actually. So I'm really happy that you mentioned that, that the White Sox might possibly add another member. Um, I do have a couple of desirable targets in mind. If the White Sox do, in fact, add these desirable targets, I will feel a lot more comfortable and secure in saying that this is a good pitching staff. Uh, overall, I think uh, at least Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn are going to be those two starters that will be on autopilot for at least the first half of the season. Uh, we can definitely expect to see a mid three ERA ball from them. Uh, hopefully they uh, stay healthy enough to eat innings. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I feel generally OK about eh, like most of the rotation. But there are certainly uh, some some spots that make me sweat a little. All right, well, let's talk about these specific starting pitchers, and we're going to start at the top of the rotation for the Chicago White Sox, and that is Lucas Giolito. A reminder of Lucas Giolito's 2021 season, he finished with a 3.53 ERA. He pitched 178.2 innings, two-thirds of an inning. He was a four-war pitcher in 2021 with 201 strikeouts to 52 walks. Looking at his 2022 Zips projections provided by Fangraphs.com, and Zips is projecting a 3.53 ERA with 179 innings pitched, a 4.6 war with 223 strikeouts and 56 walks. So as far as the workload for Lucas Giolito, Zips is projecting very similar workload, identical ERA, but we could see more strikeouts from Lucas Giolito. And Janice, I have to bring up this picture of spring training from Lucas Giolito because he went through some kind of body transformation in the off season. He said that he gained 20 pounds of muscle. And there's this photo I have for him for our podcast listeners, not being able to see the photo. He's standing next to Michael Kopech. Now, Janice, you and I both know that Michael Kopech is not a normal dude. When it comes to physique, he no. is shredded. Yeah. Lucas Giolito looks huge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really appreciate they added the Kopech for scale. Uh, just, uh, <laughs> I mean, Lucas was not, uh, at, I mean, I, I think, um, he was already a, an imposing figure. He's six, six, uh, he's already an athlete, but seeing him stand next to Kopech, um, yeah, I am not exactly sure what happened. Uh, I want to know, uh, like what he's eating, uh, just mainly because it's just like, wow, the, 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 the growth of the physique is definitely real. And in his first spring training start, there's been a velocity bump. He's hitting 97 now. Instead of topping yep. at a 95, he's topping at a 97. He's sitting at 95 instead of sitting at 93. And the one thing that I noticed last year from Lucas Giolito during the postseason, Janice, when he's watching his friend Max Fried pitch in the World Series, that he's really happy for his friend and he's proud of his friend, but I'm a Scorpio, so I can tell when people are jealous. Lucas Giolito was jealous. Like, why is my friend pitching so much better than I did in the same stadium against the same team? So I think Lucas Giolito is definitely a man on a mission. So that's the main topic here. He has been a preseason favorite before. Zips thought that Lucas Giolito in 2021 was going to be the best starting pitcher in the American League. Can 2022 be the year that Lucas Giolito brings home a Cy Young in the American League? 
Uh, first of all, Lucas Giolito is a cancer. Uh, I, I, I kind of wish I knew more about cancers. All I know is that he is one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, perhaps if he was a Capricorn, that would make a lot more sense because Capricorns tend to be go-getters. They tend to be very goal-oriented. Uh, but for the sake of arguments, we're going to say that, all right, we'll, we'll make Lucas Giolito an honorary Capricorn. Uh, Cancer and Capricorn are sister signs, so it, it kind of makes sense. But anyway, before I go off on too much of a tangent, yes, I feel as if Lucas Giolito could definitely attain the AL Cy Young this year. Now, uh, there are a, little, a, a few aspects that we really have to keep in mind. So in 2021, he had career highs in innings pitched. He almost reached his career high in strikeouts. Uh, so he had 201 in 2021. Uh, his career high was 20, uh, 228, which was uh, that 2019 season where he just absolutely broke out. Broke out. Uh, he's always had a stri high strikeout upside, though. Uh, so from a fantasy pr perspective, uh, he's definitely a clear early round draft pick. Uh, but that's the name of his game, though. Uh, he changes speeds. He has that ele elevated fastball. He has uh, the changeup that he locates uh, in the same the same area. Uh, in the 2021, that changeup whiff percentage was at 26.3%. Uh, so he doesn't use it as much of a put-away pitch as, say, a slider. Uh, slider is definitely a, his put-away pitch, in my opinion. Or actually, wait, I got my notes reversed. The changeup is his put-away pitch, but his slider is also very good as well. Uh, definitely able to lure, lure those swings and misses. But uh, given what you said about Geostart yesterday, uh, that elevated fastball looked so incredibly crisp. Mm -hmm. I just saw that swing and miss. I can't. I, I can't remember who he struck out, but uh, it was just a beautiful thing to see. Uh, but anyway, if that elevated fastball change continues to miss bats, uh, he's going to rack up those strikeouts. Uh, but the thing about going deep into games, uh, he's definitely going to have to keep his pitch count low. And if he can avoid lengthy at bats and going deep into counts, uh, I feel as if he can pitch 200 plus innings. Yeah, th that fastball that you're talking about and pitching ninja on Twitter captured it. It just had this snap to it. And it's like the hitter thought they were going to be swinging at a 94 mile per hour pitch and it got on top of them right away. Yep. Yep. And you mentioned the change of being Giolito's uh, whiff pitch, and it's been a very effective strikeout pitch, especially in 2019 and 2020. But something that uh, a stat provided by Codify, which Codify is helping Lucas Giolito with his pitch maps before each start going to the 2022 season and has been working with Lucas Giolito and also works with Liam Hendricks as well. Lucas Giolito was the only pitcher in the American League that had three pitches to generate more than 90 whiffs over the season. And I thought that was incredibly impressive because I wasn't the biggest fan of his slider, Janice. I, I thought it was more like a 50 grade slider. Like if I had to put the scouting grade on Giolito, it's a 50 grade fastball. It's a 50 grade slider, but that change up, I mean, it's, if you want to use five grades, I mean, that's maybe a 65 or 70 grade change up. That's, that's what really crushes you as a hitter. But I wonder with this extra weight now, that if he gains this extra velocity, do you think we could see a more effective fastball and slider? And it's already an effective pitch. Yeah, he's definitely mixed it in. Uh, I just remember even uh, his no-hitter. Uh, he sprinkled the slider in just at very um, opportunistic times. And perhaps with that extra body mass now, he can finally actually get more pull on that slider too. Uh, but otherwise, uh, yeah, he's already a good pitcher and I can just envision him just becoming even greater. 
All right. So we are playing over under just like with their infielders. So the over under that I have for Lucas Giolito, and you mentioned it a moment ago, is 199 <laughs> and two thirds innings. All right. So right there, right to the 200 innings. So pretty much I'm asking you, Janice, do you think he's going to go over 200 innings or do you think he'll fall short again of 200 innings? I think he can do it. I, I think he can go over. Uh, so there are a couple of uh, just variables that will certainly help him ach achieve that goal. Um, like I mentioned before, uh, he's going to have to stay healthy, also known as the White Sox way. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, injuries, I think, especially that September uh, 2021, uh, injuries really befell that pitching staff. Um, so he went on the 10-day IL in September. He uh, strained his hamstring, and I think and I think Baltimore. Uh, so I, the recipe for that 200 innings goal would, is definitely staying healthy, uh, keeping those pitch counts low, uh, plenty of swings and misses, uh, which he already has already. Uh, he's... I, I always talk about CSW quite a bit, which is called strikes and whiffs. Uh, he is always like up in the upper 30s, lower 40s, uh, which is where you really want to be, especially if you're a strikeout pitcher. And also, too, maybe pitching the soft contact here and there. Uh, but otherwise, I, I think he can do it. I, I think it's absolutely attainable for Lucas. Over. I agree with you that it's obtainable. I am going with the under. The reason I'm going under is I think at some point, Janice, Tony LaRussa is going to give Giolito those days off. Like, mm. if I envision a Lucas Giolito American League Scion season, I'm looking at like 185 innings. And that's so close to 200, right? That's like two extra starts. But if he makes 30 starts this year and he's averaging six innings per start, well, he's right there at 180. The question is, is he going to be allowed to get the 32 or 33 starts? Is he going to be allowed in April to go six or seven innings? Or are the White Sox going to cap everyone in the starting rotation, no matter tenure, five innings because of the lockout? I, I don't know if we see anyone reach 200 innings in the American League this year. And I know that was a very big sticking point in the National League last year when it comes to the Cy Young conversations. But right, right. I, I'm shaky on the April usage, but I think you are going to be right. If Giolito will go over, if Tony Russa looks at him and says, physically, you're good to go. Do you feel good to go? And if Gio says, yeah, I can go seven innings. We know LaRussa, Giolito's going seven. Uh, so I, to me, it's all about April usage. And if it's normal usage, I think you'll be right, Janice. I think Giolito will go over. Absolutely. And we, we all know that Giolito is a gamer. Like he wants the ball. He never wants to leave. Uh, he, he wants to stay out there for as long as he can. So not only does he have the ability, but he also has the heart to accompany that. And you, you can't get mad at that. Um, and I'm sure Tony can't either. All right. Well, let's talk about another kind of bulldog on the mound. And that is Lance Lynn, which the White Sox acquired Last season, in a move that we were all hoping for that the White Sox make to add to their starting rotation, and Lance Lynn was, incredibly, was incredible for the White Sox in 2021. He had a 2.69 ERA in 157 innings with a 4.2 war. He struck out 176, and he walked just 45 batters. He was the big shot in the arm to the White Sox starting rotation. And in 2022, Zips is projecting... 
a little bit of age regression, a 3.98 ERA, 176 innings, so more innings from Lance Lynn, but a drop in war, a 2.9 projected war for Lance Lynn, with an uptick in strikeouts at 186 and an uptick in walks at 59 walks. And Janice, when it comes to Lance Lynn, those projections, while they're not as great as the 2021 season, he is now entering his mid-30s. So the computer models are going to factor in age considerably for a pitcher like Lance Lynn. And unlike Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn is not adding 20 pounds of muscle. He may add 20 pounds, but it's not going to be muscle. And I love him for that. Of course, for, yeah. For White Sox fans watching Lance Lynn now in 2022, what should they expect in year two with the White Sox? Well, uh, I have to say that when I was typing my notes up for this podcast, I, I, I typically uh, just write a quick sentence to whatever comes to mind uh, when it comes to a player. And I wrote down, big boy throw hard with many fastballs. <laughs> and I, I didn't erase it. So I, I guess I'm obligated to say that on this podcast. Uh, so... I, I definitely, I, I somewhat agree with those projections. I uh, just, uh, you know, reluctantly also being in my mid thirties as well. Uh, I, I feel as if that barking knee uh, that uh, happened to Lance last September is definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, but otherwise, uh, a quick side note, I, I think this was the most satisfactory contract extension the White Sox have done in recent history. Um, and the dude also just placed yeah. third in Cy Young voting. Uh, dude is locked in. So even though I think he will regress a little bit, I don't think he's going to regress as much as those projections say. Uh, so uh, uptick in walks. So they're assuming that he's probably going to have some control issues with uh, like maybe. Um, but yeah, as for um, as for war, uh, that's definitely kind of a significant dip uh, from I think what I think it was four point nine you said to like two point nine. Um, hmm. The thing is, though, I feel as if uh, that innings goal is is definitely uh, um, attainable for Lynn. Uh, mm -hmm. 180 is essentially what I would like to see him hit. Uh, this year, I actually would like to see him try for the ERA title. Uh, he was pretty close to it last year. I feel as if he could probably attain that this year. Uh, and a nice little tidbit that one of my friends pulled up about Lance Lynn. I think I might have closed the window out. Did I close the window out? I did. Oh, well, but essentially um, last year, uh, Lance Lynn was one of the leaders in uh, in uh, oppressing barrels. So I believe uh, yeah. a friend of mine, uh, Michael Lajeto, he was actually writing about Chris Bassett and how Chris Bassett uh, was one of the league leaders in, uh, in uh, oppressing barrels last year. And uh, lo and behold, Lance Lynn was actually not too far behind uh, Chris Bassett on that list. So that was very good to see. Uh, he also had another stat uh, regarding uh, ex-Wobacon or ex-Wobacon, as I like to call it. And uh, Bassett was <laughs> another leader on that list. And uh, lo and behold, Lance Lynn was also a leader on that list too. So I pointed that out and was like, all right, you're writing about Chris Bassett when you're completely ignoring a perfectly good Lance Lynn over here. Uh, and uh, Mikey uh, called that out and was like, okay, yes, fine. Like I'll, I'll talk about Lance Lynn later on. I'm like, okay. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I, I so, did want the white Sox to acquire Chris Bass for those reasons, Yes, especially <laughs> pitching at a ballpark, like guarantee rate field. One of the most home run friendly ballparks, especially in the American league might be the most home run friendly ballpark with the modifications at Camden yards in Baltimore. 
If the White Sox were able to acquire Chris Bassett, I thought, wow, that would have been a fantastic addition because he does such a great job of avoiding hard contact. But they do still have Lance Lynn, who does a very good job. The, the follow-up question I have regarding Lance Lynn, and this is more like a feeler type of question, Janice, is Houston. He has a terrible time against the Houston Astros. They know him very well. They have a very good book on Lance Lynn. If these two teams meet again in the postseason, do you have any concerns about Lance Lynn's ability to limit the amount of damage a Houston Astros lineup can do against him? Um, I already know that at face value, uh, Lance Lynn, like you said before, um, the Astros have his number. And especially in a postseason setting uh, where uh, not only are you factoring regression, but you're also uh, factoring in uh, fatigue from the regular season going into the postseason too. Uh, Yeah, I, I definitely would have a little bit of concern there. Um, yeah, that's definitely a double threat, not only just having the forces of regression and, uh, just general fatigue working against you, but yeah, when an opposing team just knows, uh, you like the back of their hand, that also poses a huge, huge problem too. Well, I mean, and generally you can say that the Astros just have the White Sox collective number, uh, Mm -hmm. but... (laughs) especially at Minute Maid Park, uh, but we don't have to go too much into that. But I'm already having uh, flashbacks from the war, a.k.a. the 2021 ALDS. So Yeah, yeah, fun times. Speaking of war, so that's the over-under for Lance Lynn. I put the over-under at 2.995 war. And when you go to fan graphs and baseball prospectus or baseball reference, sure, they can give you the extra digits, but they always round up. So I'm asking you, Janice, over under a three-war season from Lance Lynn in 2022. Hmm. If Lance Lynn is going to fight Lucas Giolito for the Cy Young Award, then I'm going to say over. Uh, just mainly because mm-hmm. I, I think uh, we're going to talk a, a bit about this uh, when we get into Dylan Cease. But yeah, if uh, he gets those strikeout totals high, if he uh, goes deep into games, if he, of course, like stays healthy, once again, the White Sox way, if he's able to just keep that ERA down. Uh, yeah. As a result, that ERA will certainly kind of be at that 4.9 or I think that was 4.9, the number you showed mm-hmm. me before it, it will be in that neighborhood. So I'm going to say, I'm going to be optimistic here, uh, even though uh, Lance kind of has the demon of the uh, mid thirties hanging over his shoulder. I'm going to say over. I'm going to go over as well. I don't know if he's got another six war season like he did with the 2019 Texas Rangers. That was a career year for Lance Lynn, but man, he was so good against American league central and he's so good against everyone else outside of the Houston Astros. I still believe in Lance Lynn. And I still remember the arguments that I had with folks on social media about acquiring Lance Lynn. Oh, he's not that good. And then, 2021 redemption Uh, (laughs) is a fantastic season for Lance Lynn. And I'm excited to see what Lance Lynn has in store for the White Sox and White Sox fans in year two with the ball club in 2022. Let's talk about someone that's got a lot of hype coming into 2022. And that is Dylan Cease. Cease had a dramatic change, especially in strikeout rate from 2020 to 2021. 
He had a lower strikeout rate than Dallas Keigel in 2020. And then Cease had one of the best strikeout rates in all of Major League Baseball in 2021. Recapping his general stats, he had a 3.91 ERA. He pitched 165 two-thirds innings with a 4.4 war. He had 226 strikeouts to lead the White Sox with 68 walks. In 2022, Zips is projecting a similar ERA at 3.88, a little bit of a drop in innings pitched, 156 innings, a solid season at a 3.2 war, not quite to 200 strikeouts, but Zips is projecting 196 strikeouts with a slight uptick in walks at 73. I mentioned the hype, Janice, coming in this season for Dylan Cease. And I think a lot of it is a pitcher that's also very similar to Dylan Cease, this high velocity fastball and this devastating slider. And that is Corbin Burns with the Milwaukee Brewers. And White Sox fans know watching Burns play against the White Sox in 2020 and dominating, wow, this guy's pretty special. Maybe the White Sox should trade for him. And that was a hot rumor for a second during the offseason that never came to fruition, obviously. I remember, yeah. But Burns went and had a dominating season for the Brewers in 2021 and won the National League Scion, a very close race with Aaron Nola of the Philadelphia Phillies. But Burns did win. And there's a lot of people entering 2022, Janice, especially with fantasy baseball, that circled Dylan Cease's name and say, if you're looking for another Corbin Burns in 2022, this is your guy. So I'll ask you, Janice, can Dylan Cease follow the footsteps of Corbin Burns in 2022? I can tell you from a fantasy note, uh, fantasy people love strikeouts. And yeah, his fantasy, his strikeout upside is very high. So fantasy people absolutely love Dylan Cease. Uh, one thing I want to give Dylan Cease huge credit for is reducing the discrepancy between his ERA and his FIP. In 2020, it was pretty bad. Uh his his FIP was significantly higher than his ERA. I believe uh, it's gotten a little bit better, uh, but the one thing that he does need to lock in is his control and command issues. So he definitely was throwing significantly more strikes last year. And to pivot towards Corbin Burns, uh, who is a 7.5 B-War pitcher, like that's nothing to sneeze at, is not only did he capture the ERA crown, but he also gave, he gave virtually nearly no home runs. Uh, so he, he only gave up uh, seven home runs in 2021, uh, which pr- when you do the math, that's like, Wow. Through 38 homers per nine innings. And that is the best mark among starters with 100 innings pitched. Like, that's pretty dang good. Uh, he was also the major league strikeout rate champion this year with a 35.6 mark. And uh, excluding 2020, that's the fifth best full season mark since 1999. Uh, wow. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know that. Wow. Who, so is yeah. that Pedro in 99? Yep. Pedro. Pedro. Yeah. All this information is from Fangraphs, wow. by the way. So, uh, wow. yeah. So uh, the least home runs, the most strikeouts. And I'm going to give you a wild guess. Uh, Corbin Burns probably also walked the fewest batters in baseball, right? Uh, Not exactly. Uh, He walked 5.2 of the batters he faced in 2021. Uh, I think it's the 11th best among starters who pitched 100 innings, but uh, nearly the fewest walks are allowed. So essentially, in order for Dylan Cease to uh, be Burns-like, 
uh, most strikeouts, lowest ERA, fewest home runs allowed, and yeah, nearly the fewest walks allowed. So like you mentioned before, to be in a park like guaranteed rate field, uh, limiting home runs is definitely going to be uh, one of uh, Cease's big tasks here. That's that's a really good point. So it's a really high bar. I mean, Corbin Burns had a very special 2021 season with the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, But again, there's a lot of people, they're always looking for a dark horse, American League Cy Young contender. And I know for a lot of White Sox fans, they point at Dylan Cease as someone that could emerge out of the starting rotation to contend for the American League Cy Young. You mentioned the strikeouts. So let's talk about that for over under zips. Doesn't think that cease can repeat a 200 strikeout season. Very close. 196 is the projection for Dylan seats in 2022, but I'm putting the over under at 199 and a half strikeouts for Dylan cease in 2022. So Janice, do you think he can go over and put up another 200 strikeout season or will cease fall short? I am going to say just over. Uh, I'm not exactly sure if he could tie his total from last year of 226, uh, but his K rate is definitely superb. I, I feel as if uh, that is what he has going for him. 31.9. That is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, so do I think he's going to rack up his last year's number? I I, I don't really think he will, uh, but I feel as if he will just be over 200. Yeah, it's it's tough to consistently carry eight to nine strikeouts per start. And that's what he would have to do. If he makes, again, the math, very simple math, he makes 30 starts. He averages eight strikeouts per start. Okay. You're at 240. You're kind of in the Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, Jacob deGrom type of range in major league baseball. Like cease is not that far away from some of the elite pitchers in the game, especially when it comes to strikeouts. Right. right. I agree with you. I I think he's going to hit over. But it's going to the number I envision is like 205. Like it's going to come down to the very last start of the season for Dylan Cease. Like late September, get, it's going to be yeah. just a chilly afternoon. And yeah, he's 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 just going to hit like 204, 205 is yeah. what I'm envisioning. Yeah, maybe in that last series at home against the Minnesota Twins that he gets over the 200 strikeout. Mark, and last year was the first time ever in White Sox history that they had two starting pitchers with more than 200 strikeouts and Lucas Giolito and Dylan Cease. But you know, out of these three, it's a very strong front three, Janice. Who do you think, you know, I know we talked about Lucas Giolito in his case for the American League Cy Young, but if it's a top 10 AL Cy Young voting, do you think Lynn and Cease can also join Giolito in being a top 10 contender for the AL Cy Young? Uh, if three White Sox pitchers were in contention for the Cy Young, uh, first of all, I would just lose my mind. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I, I, I would feel very conflicted, first of all. Uh, just mainly because like, oh, hey, th- these are all my guys, uh, you know, just competing for this high accolade. Uh, do I feel as if uh, it'll actually happen? Uh, probably not, to be realistic. I feel as if uh, if any of those three have the best shot of winning, I'd probably say uh, Lynn came the closest. So he's mm-hmm. probably uh, the the most realistic and uh actually meeting that goal. Uh, but at this point, who knows? I, I feel as if Giolito is very hungry. Um, 
I feel as if, especially uh, after the uh, arbitration news today, uh, he, he definitely will feel as if he has something to prove. Uh, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him one bit. So I think uh, in the likelihood of it happening, I would say Lynn, at, Lynn number one, uh, Giolito number two, and then C's at number three. We continue the season preview of the 2022 Chicago White Sox starting pitchers after a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's go into the back into the rotation for the White Sox. And I think this is where a lot of White Sox fans do have questions I think there's a lot of hope with one starting pitcher, but there's some serious questions about the pitcher we're going to be talking about now. And that is Dallas Keuchel and Keuchel did not have a very good 2021 season. And it was quite disappointing because he was so strong for the White Sox in 2020, his first season with the White Sox after signing the free agent contract. And in 2021, Keuchel had a 5.28 ERA. Now it's one of the worst ERAs for qualified starting pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. He pitched 162 innings. We're going to get to that in a moment on the significance. He was only worth 0.6 war. He did not even reach one win above replacement in 2021. He didn't even reach 100 strikeouts. He had 95 strikeouts for the season and 59 walks. In 2022, Zips is projecting somewhat of a bounce back season for Dallas Keuchel a much-improved ERA at 4.46, the same amount of innings, 162, a one-and-a-half war season with 160 strikeouts and 55 walks. He is a veteran. He's a former AL Cy Young winner. And Dallas Keuchel really needs to bounce back in 2022, not so much to help the Chicago White Sox and the White Sox would be grateful of their number four, or maybe in this case, their number five starter vastly improved from 2021. But I also look at the perspective of Dallas Keuchel himself, because he's at the edge here in his career, where if you do not bounce back Janice in 2022 and the White Sox let you go and you become a free agent, Sure, you can maybe sign one-year contracts, but you're going to become a mercenary and you're going to have to wait until all of the other starting pitchers sign. And it's just a tough way to continue your career into the 30s. So for Dallas Keuchel, coming into this season, Janice, do you think he can bounce back? 
Oh, man. All right. So uh, like a lot of the prepackaged meals I get, oh, boy, if, if you did ad reads on this podcast, this this would be a great time to do an ad read. Uh, I, I think he's cooked. <laughs> I, 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 I think, uh, yeah, he's definitely cooked. Uh, age 34 season, he's plagued by back issues. Uh, regression is certainly a thing when you look at his numbers. Um, but hey, you know, maybe he'll bounce back. I, I, I think those uh, projections are very optimistic. Uh, and, you know, maybe he'll be perfectly fine as a fourth starter in the, ro- in, in the rotation. And if, you know, he is released, I can definitely see him being picked up as a fifth starter uh, elsewhere. Uh, but perhaps maybe that's a little too optimistic. Uh, so he definitely had career highs and home run rates, lows in an already abysmal strikeout strikeout rates. Um, I mean, he's not a strikeout pitcher, but uh, the drop in that number was significant enough to be noticed. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if he can't be that bad is really good enough for this rotation, especially a team that's looking to make the postseason, uh, let alone uh, go deep into the postseason. But um, I do have a couple of issues with Keuchel. And this was even back in 2020 where um, he, he was like pretty palatable in 2020. He has a very real problem of falling apart after the fifth inning. Uh, that That is even if he gets that far. Uh, so in 2021, at least, he's got a 540 ERA in the fifth inning. That's with 25 innings pitched. And a 1227 ERA in the sixth inning. That is with 14.2 innings pitched. So a little bit of a small sample size. And this is just 2021. But I can also uh, assure you that these numbers were just as bad uh, in 2022. So, um, yeah, uh, to be honest, I- I'm a little disappointed that the White Sox didn't go after a second lefty starter on the back end to at least try to fulfill Carlos Radon's shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel as if they should have taken a, a chance on Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, I, I recognize mm-hmm. that, yeah, he fell flat in the second half, but he's also just as much of a bounce-back candidate, if not stronger. Uh, I don't think the White Sox would have offered the contract the Blue Jays did, uh, but um, I think the Kikuchi should be good in ha- the hands of the Blue Jays' pitching coaches, but at the same time, um, yeah, Ethan Katz could have probably done just as good of a job with Kikuchi as well. Uh, but other than that, um, I know we'll probably talk about this later on in the podcast, maybe, uh, but I feel as if Sean Manaya would have been an excellent fit on the White Sox as well. I don't know if they're going to trade for him or perhaps wait until he hits free agency. Uh, but otherwise, uh, the Dallas Keuchel problem is absolutely a real thing. I wouldn't be paying attention to his cutter because that pitch was worthless in 2021. Yes. And Steve Stone, if you watch the broadcast, in his way, was very nice in saying this pitch is worthless for Dallas Keuchel. He had a terrible time with the command of the pitch. Could not locate it on the outside or even on the inside corner against righties. And I think that's going to be the crucial pitch, Janice, for Keuchel coming into this season. If he doesn't have to cut fastball, then you got this sinker changeup combo from a lefty that is just going to sit on the outside corner. And if he doesn't have his pinpoint command, then you're going to see walks. You're going to see maybe 20, 25 pitch innings. And as you just mentioned, you don't want him to face a lineup a third time because he gets killed. Yes. He could make 30 starts for the White Sox, but I don't think it's crazy to say he may not even get 125 innings this year uh, as far as pitching for the White Sox. And that goes into our over-under 
for Dallas Keuchel. And I put the over under at 159 and two thirds innings. And there's a reason why if Dallas Keuchel pitches more than 160 innings in 2022, his contract option for 2023 automatically vests and he has a guaranteed contract for the White Sox in 2023. I cannot stress this enough as someone that has argued for nine seasons on this podcast against service time manipulation. I am begging the Chicago White Sox to manipulate the service time of one of their <laughs> veteran starting pitchers so they do not reach 160 innings. Tony Russa, I do not care how good Dallas Keuchel looks to you during the season. He cannot reach 160 innings because the White Sox need that payroll flexibility. All right. So that's what I think about Dallas Keuchel's over-under. I am very strongly taking the under. Janice, how do you feel about the innings workload for Dallas Keuchel in 2022? I think uh, the third time through the uh, through the order is, uh, yeah, definitely a Dallas Keuchel problem thing. I, I, I think I even tweeted that my, my least favorite Harry Potter book is Dallas Keuchel and the third time through the order. Um <laughs> I'm going to have to go under as well. Uh, I, I definitely don't think he's going to hit that 159 and two thirds. Um, I mean, I, I honestly kind of hope he, he I, I hope he doesn't honestly, uh, just mainly because, uh, yeah, I, I really uh, cannot stand to see any leads blown, especially in the fifth inning, especially in close games, uh, especially when uh, the offense, for whatever reason, can't figure out the opposing pitcher. Uh, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, but I will very strongly go with the under. And if you have this deep bullpen. Why not use it for Keiko starts? I mean, you're going to have Ronaldo Lopez part of the bullpen if Kike, the way I feel about this, Janice, if Keiko can give you four and he only gives up two or fewer runs, you take that. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, you take that, give the ball to Ronaldo Lopez, let Lopez take care of the order one time through, see if he can get through two innings, and then you're in the seventh inning. Now you can use your bummer and your Joe Kelly or your Kendall Graveman or, God forbid, Craig Kimbrell to hand the ball off to Liam Hendricks. Like I, I view that as a successful game plan for Dallas Keuchel starts in 2022. I think if you get four innings and two earned runs out of Dallas Keuchel, that is a successful Keuchel outing. And I know he's a veteran and he's going to be angry about it. Janice about I'm feeling good. I can give you six innings. I can give you that quality start, right? Starting pitchers want those quality starts. But I think this is something we're going to be talking about, writing about during the 2022 season. And maybe this is a good thing that Tony La Russa is managing the White Sox with his experience. He's going to have to handle this veteran who still believes they have the stuff to be an effective starting pitcher. When in reality, everything else, the results from his pitching is suggesting, no, you don't. So let's go from someone that White Sox fans are very concerned about to someone that White Sox fans are very hopeful about. And this is going to be his first time starting or being a starting pitcher since the 2018 season. And that is Michael Kopech. And Michael Kopech, electric as a starter in that 2018 season, we saw him dominate in AA and AAA before getting a taste with the White Sox that season. 
We all know that he had to get Tommy John surgery. So he missed all of 2019. He opted out of the 2020 season. So he missed all of 2020. So we had a two-year gap of not watching Michael Kopech pitched and he returned to the White Sox in 2021 and was mostly in the bullpen. He had a few spot starts sprinkled in, especially during double headers. But Michael Kopech was very good in this role. He had a 3.5 ERA. He pitched a very nice amount of 69 and one-third innings with a 1.7 wins above replacement. And this is incredible. Even though he was in the bullpen, Kopech struck out 103 and walked just 24 batters. In 2022, Zips, who has always been a big fan of Michael Kopech, is projecting a 3.76 ERA, and this is the number that's eye-opening, projecting 146 innings from Michael Kopech in 2022 with a 2.8 wins above replacement. So Zips is projecting that Kopech will be just as valuable as Lance Lynn with 196 strikeouts and 69 walks. And I am enthusiastic based on these projections and reading them, Janice, because I feel like these are pretty bold projections for someone who had a two-year layoff, only pitched 69 innings, mostly out of the bullpen in 2021, and Zips is projecting the 50th percentile projection that Michael Kopech could be just as good as Lance Lynn. And we talked about Lance Lynn being very critical to the White Sox success earlier in 2022. But I think the big question that I have for you, and I think anyone that covers this White Sox team, is the workload for Michael Kopech. Do you believe there's going to be innings limit for Kopech in 2022? And maybe my follow-up question to that is, should there be? Oh, man. So uh, Zips loves Michael Kopech. Uh, and honestly, I do too. So I love what I saw in Kopech last year. His XERA and K rate were among the best in the league. He also has a great XBA, XBA against two. So when he does pitch to contact, he's not necessarily giving up hits. Uh, so uh, Kopech's workload last year was a little worrisome to me. So like you mentioned, he only pitched 69 innings. That's just four more innings than Jose Ruiz. Uh, you mentioned that he did make a couple of spot starts and double headers. Uh, I feel as if there were plenty of more opportunities to jump in the rotation, especially in September where a couple of members of the rotation were pl- placed on the shelf. Uh, I also feel as if longer re- relief appearances could have been utilized well too. Uh, if if I was Tony Larusa, I would have made sure that Kopech would have had around 100 innings of work last year to make sure he's properly ramped up to join the rotation. Uh, so I, I feel as if, uh, yeah, was it 145 that Zips was projecting he'd pitch? 146. So yeah, right there. Oh my goodness. Yeah. To go from 69 to 145, that that's quite a jump. Um, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I agree with that, uh, just from, uh, a workload standpoint. Uh, but who knows, maybe, uh, maybe Michael Kopech will have some sort of Carlos Redon like, uh, revival. Uh, but even there were, I, Radon's workload last year was honestly kind of questionable too. Um, he pitched quite a bit for someone who hadn't like pitched many innings for the, uh, two years prior. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's why, uh, yeah, he kind of lost it in August and September as a result. So just to make sure he's healthy, just to make sure Kopech is properly ramped up. Um, yeah, I would say this year, I think around 125 might be a little healthier, maybe even less, maybe a hundred, uh, maybe a hundred to 125 would, in my opinion, be a lot more, uh, a lot more, uh, uh, accommodating at least from a from a more like a health standpoint. And that goes right into our over under. Cause I put 125 innings for the over under. So you're feeling under 125 innings for Kopech. It should be under in my opinion. Should be. Uh, okay. But, but I bet they go over. <laughs> I think you are right. And <laughs> I, I think what they're going to do, Dennis, is they're going to use Dylan cease as a guide here dylan sees had a big innings jump from 2020 to 2021 and he was fine but as you point out michael kopech is closer to carlos Rodon than he was to dylan cease we didn't see cease have a two-year layoff i mean he you know we saw him in 2019 make his debut with the white Sox, and he pitched i think a little over 70 innings when he made those starts and of course 2020 it was just a limited workload because of a 60 game season but cease had a full 2019 season cease had a quote-unquote full 2020 season to prepare we did not see Kopech in 2019 and 2020 and after a two-year layoff he comes back and he throws 69 innings for the white Sox. i think 146 is bold and if, if the white Sox do allow him to go over and the more I talk about this, I think I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take the over. I don't know if that is the best idea, but he is young. Physically, I think he can handle handle the workload. And it's just going to be fingers crossed, can that elbow. And now that he's moving from bullpen to a starting role, the mental aspect of being a starting pitcher and getting your physical regiment in place to make a start every fifth day is an adjustment for Michael Kopech. And I know he's very eager. And I think a lot of fans would disagree with me. Like, well, don't use kid gloves on him. It's time to unleash Michael Kopech. I would like to see a strong Michael Kopech ramp up the innings workload late in the season than early in the season, if that makes sense, Janice. Like, I'm cool if Kopech only makes his starts where he's throwing four innings per start in April and May, and then save those six to seven inning starts and just unleash him in the postseason. I don't want to see what we saw with Carlos Serdan. He's making seven, eight complete game appearances, and then we don't see him in August because he's got to get shut down for arm reasons. Yeah, I, I I agree with that entirely. I, I feel as if uh, yeah, just limiting the workload early on, especially April and May, uh, and uh, pivoting back to uh, Radon for a quick minute. Even though I, I thought the no hitter was absolutely magical, uh, I, I loved every moment of it. Uh, I don't know that th there should have been a part of me that should have been like, it is it okay for someone who is so close to uh, just coming off Tommy John surgery to be pitching this much so early in the year? Uh, but yeah, I, I think the proof was definitely in the pudding, especially in August and September. Um, I, I wish Carlos all the best. I'm going to miss him on this team. Uh, but mm -hmm. I, I feel as if he definitely could have been handled better in 2021. Uh, and I hope the 
the same thing doesn't happen to Kopech. I, I feel as if your plan makes sense to me. Uh, just give him these four, five inning starts, and then later on in the season, like especially once we start going up against more for formidable opponents, especially uh, when the White Sox make the postseason. Uh, yeah, that's when we can fully unleash the Kopech and uh, yeah, solidify dominance in the American League again. And if Zips is right with the the war projection for Kopech, there's an opportunity here for the White Sox to have four starting pitchers with a three plus war. And I know we talked about Keuchel, and we're not we don't have high expectations for Dallas Keuchel in 2022. But to kind of recap and conclude this episode and our season preview, of the starting pitchers, I view this kind of the same way as when we looked at the infielders. You know, Jim mentioned, man, you look at Anderson and Mikata and Abreu and Grandal. These could be, you know, four guys at three plus war or four plus war or five plus war. In the case of Anderson, Mikata and Grandal, you could have 15 war in just those four players. And we know about Bray's ability to drive in runs. This White Sox starting staff, Janice, I feel like has the potential to be 12 plus war, excluding Dallas Keuchel with the ability to maybe reach 15 war. So at the end of 2022, if we're making, you know, bold predictions, do you think the White Sox starting pitch staff currently built can be one of the best units in the American league? Oh my goodness. Yes. I just remember that first half where uh, I think even early on in the season, uh, Keiko even had a couple of very solid starts and a, a lot of folks just in the general baseball community were calling uh, the White Sox rotation a, a five-headed monster. Uh, and if, you know, we have a five-headed monster going into uh, late September, early October, uh, like, holy cow, this is absolutely going to be a team that goes deep into the postseason that wipes out whoever the first round division opponent is. Uh, I would love to see the White Sox at least make the ALCS and, and maybe uh, I am, maybe my expectations are a little too low. Uh, I don't know. Some people may think my expectations are a little too high, but I would love to see a team that, uh, easily wins the AL Central also uh, at least win the first round uh, for a change. No, I think those are very good expectations, especially for a team that is World Series or bust. And the difference this time may be on the White Sox starting pitchers because we know that they really struggled in the postseason last year. And with the exception of Lucas Giolito in 2020 being dominant against Oakland, they didn't have a good game two start from Dallas Keuchel. They did not have a third starting pitcher in that postseason. The White Sox postseason faults have been on the shoulders of the starting pitching staff. And hopefully that changes in 2022 because we saw with the Atlanta Braves, when the starting pitching gets hot and when your bullpen is deep, you can go deep into the postseason. And the White Sox, I think, have the right mix of players to do that. We just need to see it happen in 2022. Well, this was a blast. I want to thank Janice Scurrio so much for joining the Sox Machine podcast for the first time. Thank you, Janice, so much for joining the show and helping preview the 2022 Chicago White Sox pitching staff. Thank you, Josh. And that will conclude this episode of the Sox Machine podcast. And if you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast or our YouTube channel, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Sox Machine. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at Sox Machine. You can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine 
underscore Josh. And you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are new to Socks Machine or a longtime lurker of Socks Machine, think about helping support us at patreon.com slash Socks Machine, where our Patreon supporters, they get more. They get exclusive content. They get ad-free versions of both the podcast and the website. And they get the first opportunity to purchase our Socks Machine swag. Monthly plans start at just $2 a month, and you can sign up at patreon.com slash Socks Machine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Alongside Janice Gurio, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening and watching. <laughs>